Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. You know, we're in this sermon series called In Everything, and it's been this gorgeous sermon series. If you haven't noticed, like both graphically and in terms of our sermon themes, we've been looking at las tierras, the earth, uh, los aguas, the waters, and los cielos, the heavens. Um, shout out to John Carlos, who was like, we gotta get some Spanish in there. Heck yeah. Um, so we are, we are in the los cielos section of it, and I was just contemplating the, the theology of a drought. The theology of a drought, as in, like, what message does God have to speak through a drought and made me think about what it would be like to be a plant in like anywhere in the U.S. right now uh, and to be a plant and to look up to the sky and not see any help coming. What is it like to look up to the heavens and not see any help coming? Because uh, this has certainly been an apocalyptic moment in, in the U.S., or in, in the world, really, hasn't it? Apocalyptic, of course, if you remember from our Revelation Reclaimed Sermon series, uh, which was a great exploration of Revelation. Apocalyptic does not just simply mean doom and gloom, end of the world. Apocalypse means an uncovering. An apocalypse means a revealing. So when I say that this was an apocalyptic season of life, it, it, I mean like there is a lot that has been revealed. There is a lot that has been surfaced in our life together. And it is from that revealing that a lot of change has happened. 84% of our community in the, in the poll that we just took, 84% of our community just said that they had serious life change in the past year. 84%. And it's not just New City Church folks. Uh, three, up to three, almost 3% of non-farm workforce has quit their jobs. Up to, it's like 2.7%. This is a statistic from the U.S. Department of Labor, which is the highest that uh, quitting employment has happened since the uh, history of recording these statistics. Um, and it's not just from firing, you know, like unemployment is like one statistic, but this is like folks who have chosen to leave their jobs, if I understand the statistics correctly. People who have chosen to change. Um, similarly, uh, the coronavirus moving study says that 600,000 people have uh, filed for a change of address. I'm sorry. 600,000 more people have filed for a change of address in 2020 than in 2019. 600,000 more people have filed for a change of address in 2020 and 2019. And of course, uh, as we consider economically what this can mean, it could be everything from people not being able to afford the place that they're living in. It could be, um, uh, you know, systemic reasons that that's happening. Uh, or it could be because people have decided that they need to change and they're, impl they're choosing to implement that change themselves. 
one way or the other, it does seem like a lot is being revealed. And the, uh, the way that I interpret this movement is that there is evidence of a drought, that there is evidence of uh, something that is um, somehow or another people's needs aren't being met. And so I'm speaking metaphorically of a drought, of like, it seems like the landscape is not supporting the very necessary things required for life. And so a lot of folks are initiating or experiencing change, whether they initiated it or not. It's like, it reminds me of those groups of um, elephants, you know, in the documentaries uh, that like have had to, uh, who remember the path to their ancestral watering holes that they've gone to forever. But because of climate change, those watering holes are gone. And now the elephants are looking at, for a new source, looking to have their needs met somewhere else. There's like this deep dissatisfaction that's not just about preference, it's about survival, that says, I need to shift from here to there, even if I don't know exactly where there is. We're in a moment where a lot of people are changing huge parts of their lives huge parts of their lives. And I wanted to uh, explore um, this scripture in particular because this scripture kind of gets me curious about how it exactly it is that God reaches out or speaks to folks who are experiencing a drought. And there's no better expert on this than Jeremiah. Jeremiah uh, is uh, one of the prophets in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the scripture that we have before Jesus um, it's the ones that we share with Jewish folks. So uh, Jeremiah, uh, in the beginning part of Jeremiah, in the first like 25 or so chapters, Jeremiah is writing to people who are about to be exiled, people who are about to experience huge, significant change. In the, in the instance of Jeremiah's society, it was change um, that would, would be instigated from a, a warring nation that comes from the north. And, uh, and it's interesting because in some ways Jeremiah's society is victimized, like, like they are exiled from their homeland. But Jeremiah says that there's actually more choice in this than you think. Jeremiah says that it is because of our failure to ground ourselves in love that we are seeing social injustice and we have therefore abandoned God. Social injustice is evidence that we've abandoned God. And, uh, and, and because of that, there, there's going to be this exile that's taking place. So Jeremiah is writing to people who are about to experience a drought in their lives. And he's trying to, to write in such a way to, to give people a sense of hope, a sense of groundedness, a sense of um, keeping yourself together, even when you're extracting yourself from the situations from which you're most familiar and it made me kind of curious about how is it that plants survive troughts? How do, how is it that like, you know, after millennia, millennia of evolution of plants, that, that the logic of God, that the message of creation might be found in plants who are trying to survive droughts. And I um, uh, did a little bit of, of light research and I found an article by Master Gardener Laura Lukes, 
about how plants go about becoming drought resistant. And I think that this is relevant to New City Church because if you are one of those people who's made those big changes in your life, if you're one of the people who is experiencing drought and you're like, wow, I got to change something. And even if I don't know what's next, I can't stay here. If you're someone who is <laughs> learning very rapidly that you're going to have to become drought resistant, then maybe there's some, there's some like wisdom from creation that we can learn from here on how to become drought resistant. And this master gardener named three ways, three methods, three strategies for how to become drought resistant. Now, I'll be real with y'all. I am, I am a big fan of plants. Like I kind of walk around in this like earth mystic. Like I love plants, love weather, love soil, love like spending time all around that. Love, love, love. I don't know if I would consider myself a expert in any of these things. I wouldn't say that I'm a, I, I'm a gardener of these uh, things. So if, uh, if those of you who are like gardeners and plant people, I know that you're out there, um, feel free to join us in the Zoom call after our worship service. We call that time sacred witnessing. And that, uh, that can just be your chance to tell us about all the plant things that uh, this little preacher didn't notice when he's googling. So here's the so here's the three uh, strategies from what I understand of how plants become drought resistant. Okay, so number one, they root themselves down. This is what we uh, saw alluded to in Jeremiah, where there is like a rooting down. There is a sense of like we can't just rely on the soil that's further up because that can dry up depending on the precipitation. We need to root ourselves down, to drive down to be able to access deeper water. Do you realize that it takes plants a lot of energy to create roots? They're pressing against rocks. They're pressing against clay. They're pressing against like hard embedded things that don't want to move. And yet plants who are drought resistant choose to invest that energy to root down so that they can discover a reservoir that will keep them alive when times are tough. This is the nature of spiritual work, to find, to exert energy, to discipline yourself, to consistently root down deeper, further into the earth away from the things that can very easily change and instead rooting yourself down into something that is so big and infinite, it is eternal. This, by the way, is why we worship. Worship is simply an act of exerting energy to root ourselves down. It's the one time a week when we come together as a community to remind our heart to love God as much as possible. Because the more we tell God that we love her, the easier it is for us to receive God's love. And that energy is what um, uh, provides the required sustenance to be able to root down. When we look at mystics, who are like uh, rooting themselves in the experience of knowing God. 
These are folks who have dedicated serious time, serious reflection into rooting down. Like when we look at Howard Thurman, who is like the grandfather of the spirit of the nonviolent spirituality of Martin Luther King Jr. Like he spent time to contemplate. He spent time to pray to journal, to question what it is that God is uh, seeking and wanting, to explore the sacred, the sacred text, the, the Bible, because it takes a certain type of dedication to root down. But, ooh, if you can get in touch with an underground stream, <laughs> there, is, there is a fearlessness in, in the fruit that you can bear. So the first strategy of becoming drought-resistant is simply to root down. Hey, I'm, I would like to see some more action in the comments. Can you all say root down? Absolutely. Rooting down. <laughs> yes. Exerting energy. It's, it's like an interesting thing to learn about plants because sometimes they have to exert energy to create, uh, you know, like more leaves to strengthen the stem to root down. But ultimately, like plants know that if you don't root down, you are going to be stuck. Yes. So, um, so the first strategy is to root down. The second strategy to becoming <laughs> drought resistant, the second strategy for your life, for those of you who are getting ready to experience some change or are experiencing it right now, is you got to drop some dead weight. Uh, you got to drop some dead weight. She tells me about the, the, the case of um, Buckeye, which is like a plant that uh, has really big leaves um, that leaves out, one of the first plants to leaf and flower out in the beginning of the season, in early spring. But then when things get too hot, the plant decides that those leaves are not worth the energy, and they drop their leaves. And they're, you know, the other plants are like, hey, what are you doing? That's not okay. Everyone needs to have leaves all through the summer. And Buckeye are like, I am dropping the things that no longer serve me because I can trust in, in something greater than myself. I already have the resource that I need and I'm dropping out so that I don't lose it to evaporation. Do you see the invitation here for your life? There are some things that served you at one point in your life. There are some things that you relied on, that you were affectionate for, that you have great memories associated with it. It gave you a certain sense of control. But perhaps in a drought season, those the very things are causing you to lose the vapor, lose the evaporation of your energy, of your concentration, of your time that is no longer serving the purpose that God has put you in the world to serve. Perhaps there is some like dropping that can be done in this season of your life where you can say no to a couple things that are long overdue. Maybe there's like a sense of um, some things that you need to let lie fallow. I love that phrase from the Bible, let it lie fallow, meaning that it, it's not that it, you can't come back to it, but it's just fallow right now. Like, just letting it not be a source uh, and a suck of your energy. Just let it lie fallow so that you can practice a powerful yes. We practice a powerful no so that we can practice a powerful yes 
in our lives. And maybe there is a powerful no getting ready in your life. Maybe God has placed a, a, a powerful spiritual no in your life so that you can look at the things that once served you, thank them, celebrate them, and then let them drop. And this is the, the other thing that I love about plants is that when we, when we say drop the dead weight, when we say drop the leaves, it's actually a gift into the future. Because when plants drop their leaves, those leaves turn into soil that is enriched. So it's like a recycling of resource. It is like an like a, a, a invitation to new life. Plants create their own habitat in a certain sense by dropping these leaves and building up this soil. So sometimes you've got to drop something, not in this like banishing kind of way, but like sometimes you've got to drop something because it's going to turn into some soil. But as long as you keep clutching onto it, it'll never turn into the next life-giving thing that it's meant to be. Sometimes you've got to drop some things for their sake, for the, for the things that you're dropping's sake, <laughs> not just for yourself. Like sometimes it's helpful for, to thank and let go of things in your life. And, and I think that, of course, like, you know, we're in like a moment where it's very popular to talk about boundaries and very popular to talk about um, setting those types of limits and, and dropping things. Uh, I think the difference of what I'm talking about here is that it's dropping with discernment. The goal is to drop with discernment. The goal is not just to simply get rid of a lot of stuff in your life. The goal is for you to get in touch with a, a, a deeper level, a deeper root system, a deeper truth, for you to get in touch with a God who made you, for a God who... who desires a future of the world, the kingdom of God, who desires a certain justice in our society, for you to get in touch with your wisest, most resource whisper uh, from the spirit, like this is the, the type of like discernment that we're talking about here, for you to get in touch with something, to ask not how do I drop everything, but how do I drop the right things? This is the invitation for you to go to community, to ask your wisdom counsel to assemble the people who most need to speak into your life to kind of say, like, these are the things that I'm considering dropping. Like, how can we lean into each other to be wise about this? So we go to worship to deepen our roots. And then one of the products of worship, one, uh, what comes out of worship, comes from the discernment that you get from that contact so that you can drop just the right things in your life. This is what becomes the sacred compost. Um, that's, that's, and by the way, speaking of sacred compost, like it requires a lot of trust to drop things in the name of God. <laughs> it requires a lot of trust to say like, I believe that if I follow the word of truth, if I, if I get in touch with this God, this mother who loves me so much that I, that whatever lies ahead is going to be better than what I am letting go of right now. Whatever truth that is ahead is going to be better than the falsehood that I'm spinning about this thing that I know is already long past overdue. Um, so sometimes uh, 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 plants reach down with their roots to become drought resistant and sometimes they drop the dead weight. 
The third strategy, this is something that I didn't even know about uh, before I read this article. The third strategy for plants to become drought resistant is that they be, um, there are certain plants that have a desiccation tolerance. Desiccation tolerance. Desiccation means when something is so thoroughly dried out that it dies. It's a desiccation is like all the fluid is gone and it is no longer capable of life. And there are certain plants that can enter and hydrobiosis and hydrobiosis and hydrobi and not hydro water biosis. So it's like they enter a mode that's like I might be in a dried out season, but uh, these plants enter a posture of watchfulness. The, these plants enter a posture of expectation that say, I am completely dried out. I feel like I am completely emptied. Everything has been drained out of me, but I can still practice keeping my eyes on the horizon. Uh, so, so there are like mosses, for example, that enter anhydrobiosis, where they are completely, there is no more water in them at all, and they're like rusted and, and crunchy, and if you were to like touch it too hard, it would just snap off and, and break off, because it is, it is completely a dried out husk. But if you were to take uh, a glass of water and to pour it on that same moss, it would be able to receive it and retain it. Are you picking up what I'm throwing down? It would be able to receive and retain the life-giving water so that it become alive again. So whereas other plants just dry up and then stay dead, there is a certain kind of plant that can be so dried out but still receive water to become life again. There are plants that practice an ethic of resurrection in their relationship to water. Plants that say, like, hey, I'm going through a real tough time right now. I'm not going to lie and and wrap it up in some fancy theological language. Oh, God is, uh, you know, like, they're not saying, I'm not going to say that I have comforts that I do not, uh, because I, I feel completely drained of everything that I have. But if I can hold my hands in such a way that when providence does come, when, when the, the gifts of heaven do come, that I can become alive again. That is the ethic of resurrection that I can practice in my life. That is, that is the desiccation tolerance that I will practice against the empire. Like, you can take everything that I got, but I can still receive life from God, and when that happens, still I will rise, to cite Maya Angelou. Still I will be able to come alive again. I know that there are some folks at New City right now who are, some fa who are facing some pretty tough times, and I want you to know that there is, there is, a, there is a, a water pouring out that will be coming one day. It might be frustratingly far away. And I think the invitation is for us to be able to hold 
ourselves in a way that we can receive life when it comes and become alive again. And if you're feeling kind of lonely in this, you got a whole community of folks who are trying to become desiccation tolerant and who are following one of the greatest examples of desiccation tolerance in the world, Jesus, who went alive, was, you know, being murdered. And literally, in the stories of the Gospels, we have stories of him having his side punctured and the blood and water being drained out of him. The empire tried to desiccate the will of God. The empire tried to say, you do not get the last word, Jesus. We are going to dry you out and resurrection came around and in three days three days by the way desiccation drying out all the way three days a, a frustrating amount of time to be dead if you're waiting for it the three days came around and somehow the spirit of resurrection reinvigorated Jesus <laughs> so that he came back alive to show us that we are people who can come alive again and when we practice loving God, when we practice becoming like Jesus, we can become alive again against all sorts of circumstances. This is why we worship. This is what comes out of that worship. And ultimately, this is who we become through the practice of worship in community. And so, my friends, whether you are in a rainforest where there is a lot of great things going on right now, and perhaps you have some water to spare, or you are in a desiccation period of your life, I pray that you can get in touch with a God who is ready to invigorate a new way, a new path, not only in your life, but for our whole world. Amen.